Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers, using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like School districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice? curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I am so happy you are here. Holy cow, it has been a little bit since you have had just me. I love having guests on the podcast. I love talking to people and connecting with people and hearing about their areas of expertise. But it is also so fun to connect back with you on a one-on-one basis and to really dive into advocacy topics, which is the area that I myself to be an expert in. So I'm really excited for this week's episode, and I am really excited to have shared with you all of those previous episodes that we just did with a bunch of interviews. Most of those interviews were with people that presented at the Special Education and Advocacy Conference. We have done the conference in January for three years now. And each year the conference has gotten bigger and bigger. And of course, I love that. I love seeing more and more of you showing up at the conference and being empowered to advocate in special education, to learn more about concepts of special education, to learn more about the science of reading and behavior supports and stuff like that. But What I love the most is how the entire community comes together, how parents and teachers and experts in the field all come together and really support one another. I just think it is such a beautiful process. The conference is a lot of work for my team. It is an above average amount of work for me. But my creative director, Rachel, puts heart and soul into the conference. This year, we switched platforms. We went over to Circle, where we're going to house so much more. It's where the monthly membership is as well. And oh my gosh, Rachel put so much research into choosing that platform. A public shout out to her for the conference. If you missed the conference and you would still like it on demand, shoot me an email or message me on social media. We can sure get you on-demand access to that for either uh, the live ticket or the VIP ticket. That VIP ticket does include access to our monthly membership, which we call ABC Club, taking advantage of my monogram again. And we would love to have you in the monthly membership. Over at the membership, the people get a... Let's see, they get early access to the podcast. They get a monthly of something important in special education advocacy. This month, the month of March 2023, is all about negotiation. So they're getting a download of some of my favorite negotiation and advocacy tactics, something that I think is widely overlooked in special education advocacy. In other words, how to get what we want or what we deserve or what we feel is reasonable to advocate for 
And then members also get, there's plenty more other things, a monthly live with me and stuff like that, but there's also a discount on all of the other products, including my two digital courses. So that's pretty exciting. The one thing I wanted to talk to you about for sure before we dive into this week's podcast episode is that it is officially IEP season, and that's what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. We're going to be talking about preparing for your annual IEP meeting. In the meantime, I have decided to open up my schedule to include little mini consults. So think of this like your photography sessions. You have probably seen photographers advertise minis. And so what they do if they've got minis is they usually schedule people for 15 or 30 minutes and they've got a backdrop set up and they cycle you in and out and they take the same picture of every family and then they give you 10 or 12 or 15 images or something like that. It's like a photo shoot on a smaller scale. And what I am offering is a consult mini, which doesn't involve that big file review. It doesn't involve any preparation on my end. I'm not reviewing anything prior, excuse me, prior to our meeting. Rather, what I'm doing in these minis is I am hopping online and basically answering any of your questions that you might have over the course of an hour consult. So you're gonna email me your IEP and up to 10 additional pages of documentation. I can glance at that, take a look at that, skim it, scan it during the meeting to answer any questions that you might have and to guide you on anything that's not state specific. So maybe you say, I would like more access to general education for for my student. Then I'm gonna put that kind of in the inclusion bucket. And we're going to talk a lot about how to get a more inclusive IEP. And we'll reference your IEP specifically. Maybe you say, I really think that we need more behavior supports. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at what you've got now. And I'm going to provide suggestions as to how to advocate for more behavior supports. Maybe you say, my child has dyslexia and my child doesn't even have an IEP, this is really an eligibility issue, then I'm going to give you strategies that have worked for me in the past, that I have researched, that help you to advocate for eligibility in special education. If you are interested in signing up for a mini consult, head over to my social media platforms. So over on Facebook or on Instagram, you can find us at Ashley Barlow Co, CO for company, and you can find out more information about the minis there. That is quite possibly the longest introduction we've ever done on the podcast. I apologize for talking so much. See you get me one-on-one and all of a sudden the floodgates open. So let's dive in and let's talk about preparing for your annual IEP meeting. In addition to IEP season, it is also allergy season. And I live in greater Cincinnati where it is really, this is an early allergy season and it is an icky allergy season. So I'm going to have a drink of coffee probably a little more often than normal here. Now, if you weren't sitting at my kitchen table and if we weren't friends, then I would edit that out. Perfectly imperfect is part of the brand. All right. So preparing for your annual IEP meeting. Here's what I want for you to know. Your annual meeting is just like any other meeting. It is truly just like any other meeting. There's nothing really to get worried about. There's nothing to get upset about. 
All you're doing at that annual meeting is you are planning for the following year and you're updating the IEP, right? So you're updating the present levels. If you don't have any new evaluation data, you are looking at progress on last year's goals, anything else that happened in the last year. You might be looking at baseline data for goals for the next year. Maybe the team has talked, this one's always weird to me by the way, because when teachers put baseline data in for the upcoming goals, if they haven't talked to the parents about what the future year's goals are, I'm like, wait a minute, how do we have data on goals but we haven't agreed on the goals? This seems a little bit backwards. So maybe now we need to talk about what our future goals are or can we just reserve on talking about this baseline data and the inclusion of this baseline data into this process until such time that we've talked about what next year's goals are going to be. So anyway, it's a little bit of let's not put the cart before the horse. But to the extent that you and teachers and related service professionals have said, or that if you are a teacher, let's say parents and school people have agreed on what the future goals are going to be, then of course it's appropriate to put that baseline data in the present levels of performance. Then you're going to plan for the goals and the program modifications and the supplementary aids and supports. We're going to dive into all of this a little bit deeper here in a second. We're going to update the least restrictive environment, the special education services, or the the sections on transition alternate assessment, all of that stuff. That's what we're doing in the annual meeting. So what I wanna talk about today is I wanna talk about how to prepare for the meeting, but I also wanna talk about what else you wanna do because here's what, or what else you might wanna do, I guess. Because here's what happens in far too many annual meetings is, so special education's kind of on this three-year cycle, right? Every three years, you have to be reevaluated, and we have to determine that you are still eligible for special education. And so every three years, you've got this big, beefy meeting where we go in and we look at the student's progress and we look at new evaluation data or we re-examine old evaluation data and we get like heady about the kid. We should. I also see triennial evaluations where they say, oh, we did a record review and everything looks the same and move on. And we don't really talk about the child's profile. And by the way, I find that to be problematic as well. But a lot of times the kind of two meetings in between those triennial evaluations are like really quick, really boring. What are we going to work on next? In some cases, we keep the same goals and it's just like status quo. And so I want to talk about here in a second things that we can do in order to shake things up if you think things need to be shaken or even stirred. Okay, so first, before we get there, let's talk about preparing for the meeting. I've got a checklist online in my resources, or it might be in the sales little tab on my website that's called preparing for your IEP meeting. And whether you are going to an IEP meeting where you are reviewing a lot of evaluation data or you're going to a regular annual IEP meeting, that is the set of steps that I follow myself and the set of steps that I take my clients through when I personally am preparing for an IEP meeting, whether as a parent or as an attorney or an advocate that is guiding a client. So I think that the steps for preparing for any kind of IEP meeting, annual or not, are largely the same. A few things that I want to highlight 
there. The first thing is I would not go to an IEP meeting without a draft. Now, you can't force a draft. You can't go to the school and I guess you could sit at the principal's office and wait for the draft or the IEP chairperson's office and say, I'm not leaving here until I have a draft. But I don't know. That's the most effective advocacy. So a lot of times, even when I'm coming to meetings, we don't have a draft before the meeting. And one strategy that I oftentimes implement or suggest to clients, especially if they're going without me and without a draft, is I say, what you can do is you can say before the meeting, may I please have a draft? You don't get one. I really wish that I had a draft and I know that I've got a right to meaningful participation as a parent. And so I think that it's probably unlikely that I am going to be able to weigh in on the IEP until such time as I've had a chance to review it. So what I anticipate is I anticipate that we will come to the meeting, that I will receive the draft of the IEP, that you will even go through your suggestions, that I will reserve on weighing in on any part of the IEP. I'll take it home, I'll process it, and we'll be able to get back together in 48 or 72 hours in order for me to then come back and give my input in a meaningful is it is there a respectful way to say that? I absolutely think that there is, and I think that it is it provides you an opportunity to do just that to participate meaningfully in the IEP process. For so many people that feels adversarial or it feels a little snippy. I certainly think that you could make that adversarial. You could make it um, snippy, as my mom would say. You might be listening in the car with your kids, so I won't say B-I-T-C-H-Y, but it might feel that way as well. The way that I feel about that is if you don't have a draft of an IEP meeting, I just simply don't know how, I'm sorry, if you don't have a draft of an IEP, I simply don't know how you can meaningfully participate in a meeting that discusses the IEP document. I just don't see how it could work. Okay. Another point in preparing for the IEP meeting, I think it is super duper pooper scooper important to bring your own information, whether that is data from outside sources, whether it is data from your own progress monitoring, whether it is no matter what it is. And in that document, in that checklist, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but I think that no matter what you do, it is super important that you bring your own information. <clears throat> and this kind of goes into the next point, which is really approaching the meeting with equal footing. I love to talk advocacy strategy. And one of the biggest things in advocacy strategy is really the sociology and the psychology around the table. So one of the things that we talk about is the power of the different people at the table. I've said it before on the podcast, I'll say it again. One of the first things that I realized at IEP meetings was that all of the school people had computers and parents oftentimes have a stack of very disorganized papers. And I don't know if I realized this. I've told you I've had a couple of clients that have come into meetings with really organized binders. And then the conference summary or the meeting minutes will say something to the extent of, mom is here with a very organized folder or even with a color-coded folder. Wow, that's pretty effective, right? Like then you know that they've taken notice of your organization. But if everybody else has a computer, heck, why not just take a computer there? Why not just look at what everybody else is doing? 
If it takes a computer in order to look like I know what I'm doing, take a computer. I have literally typed on a computer. Everybody else is typing, so I'm typing too. And then of course you just delete that in your notes when you get home or even at the same time, right? But approach it with equal footing. So bringing your own information, whether it's data or it's expert, some kind of expert, bringing your own OT or your own behaviorist, bringing, adjusting the timing of the meeting to meet your needs. All of those things give you equal footing to the quote unquote school people. And I think that is extremely powerful. Approach the meeting with equal footing. And the last thing I think that is important to talk about in preparing for the meeting is really about communication. I think it's super duper important. And this is what we talk about here at Ashley Barlow Companies so often. I just think it is so important to communicate before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting very effectively. So making sure that you are emailing your thoughts before the meeting, that you've really followed that preparation guideline that I set out for you and that you're communicating well during the meeting, that you aren't getting locked into something if you don't agree with it, that you're really approaching the meeting with thought and with information and you're stopping if you don't understand something. All of that communication is super, super important. Communicate, communicate. That's what we talk about in in the lab, my digital course that's kind of 101 for parents. And that's what we talk about all the time here on the podcast. Okay, so good. I feel like I've been talking for a long time because I'm just not used to (laughs) recording by myself anymore. We've had so many podcasts with guests. So good. We're doing well on timing. What I really wanted to talk about in this episode is what else you can do at meetings. Because as I said earlier, So many people walk into an annual meeting and it's just, here's what we're going to talk about and it's quick and parents don't really know what else they should be discussing. So the question here is, what else can I be talking about at an annual meeting? What if I'm not feeling like it should be same old, what else can we discuss at the annual meeting? So the first thing that I want to talk about is, what if you want more services? What if you say, I really think that we need to add X. Maybe it's an aid. Maybe it's a certain kind of instruction. Maybe it's adding more time in order to work on some academic skill, like a math skill or a reading skill or a behavior skill. Coming back to a task if you've gotten engaged or something like that. So what if you want to add more services? Of course, don't forget that the IEP builds upon itself. So you need to establish that need in present levels. You need to establish a goal for it. You need to work it all the way through the IEP so that then you get down to the supplementary aids and services or the specially designed instruction or whatever it is that you're trying to add and that then you've got it. I've got a whole I, a whole podcast <clears throat> document about that that I will link, I'm sorry, a whole podcast episode <laughs> that I will link in the show notes so that you can go back and watch that about getting more out of the IEP. So basically the answer here is bring in your reason, right? Bring in the data, bring in your advocacy plan. Is this something that I really just need to 
map out and I really just need to structure for them by way of an advocacy plan? Do I just need to put more empathy into my advocacy? Do I need to bring in an expert? Do I need to bring in the private tutor? You're just going to talk about the need for more services. And I think this is actually, I think this language is an important clarification here. So it's not necessarily you asking for more services. It's you saying to the team, hey, we are a team. And as a team, I think that we need to dis the need for more services. Now, you might be the team member that's pushing the team for that. And I think that's appropriate. As a parent, if the majority of my audience here is parents, but if you're a teacher or you're the behaviorist or you're the OT on the team and you want to be pushing for more services, then sure, feel empowered to ask for those additional services and feel empowered to come with some kind of advocacy plan that includes objective and subjective data. So that's number one. I think at the annual IEP, you can shake things up if you feel it's necessary to ask for more services. Another thing that I see really often at annual meetings that I wish more people would do is asking for evaluations. You do not have to wait three years to get additional or updated evaluations. If you have a child with dyslexia and you think that their reading has declined, ask for testing. If you have a child with an intellectual disability and you think that assistive technology would really help their, their success in school, their, their ability to access different things in school, ask for an assistive technology evaluation. That's why the evaluation process exists. So ask for an evaluation at that annual meeting. You do not have to wait for the evaluation cycle to come to that three years in order to get more evaluation data. Does that mean you're gonna to have to meet at least a couple more times? Yeah, sure, maybe it does, but that's okay. We can meet more than just once a year. So ask for additional evaluation data. It could be assistive technology. Other trends that I'm seeing right now are pragmatic speech. I've got a lot of kids that really just can't articulate what they want, what they need, how to communicate socially, how to communicate how they're feeling. Maybe we need an evaluation to look at those things. Of course, executive functioning is a huge topic right now. Maybe we need an evaluation to really look at that a little bit better. Maybe we need an FBA. Certainly, as we approach transition age, we need a thousand evaluations. If there's one thing I can say about transitions, it is great. So at that annual IEP meeting, don't hesitate to ask for an evaluation. Number three, what else can you do at your annual meeting that oftentimes people don't do? Ask for a departure from the same old. What do I mean by that? I mean that the kid might be getting bored. I see this so often in my IEPs for kids that have intellectual disabilities. Holy cow, they are working on the same goals year after year. And man alive, would that ever get boring? Lots of times this is happening in math. I work a lot in the Down syndrome community and stereotypically in the Down syndrome community, math is a an odd strength but it's more like the formal reasoning piece of math that is the odd strength 
in the case of Jack, I think his formal reasoning is really good because he is, he does not like to be told no. And so he's like, I'm going to figure out a way and he'll figure out a way that to do anything that kind of gets around his, the deficiencies in his profile, right? So like he's short and I'll never forget when he was a a little toddler, he just started pushing stools all over the kitchen. And his big brother, who, you know, has most things come to him naturally, never would have pushed a stool around the kitchen to get what he wants. But Jack's got more of my personality. Like, I'm going to get it. I can't reach it. And I'm going to figure out a way to get it. And then he would climb on the counters and we'd find him all kinds of crazy places. But it was because where there's a will, there's a way. So that's formal reasoning. So like math scores for Jack and for a lot of people with a profile similar to Jack, stereotypically pretty high, but their math computation is so not preferred that those scores are going to be lower. And it like makes a lot of people scratch their heads. Listen, Jack, my Jack, I'll just talk about him, does not like math computation. He doesn't like it. So let's get away from rote counting. He literally had a goal for rote counting on his IEP almost every single year from the time that he turned three until the time that he turned like 11. Oh my gosh, how annoying is it? Can he count? Yes. Does he like to count? No. Does he miss a ton of numbers when he counts? Yeah, because he doesn't care. And he's also tired of working on it. Move on. You can do math with a calculator. Is it more functional? Sure. Sometimes we need to start thinking about how long it's going to take somebody to be able to grasp a concept or to work on a concept in order to achieve mastery in it. And I think Jack's ready to start working on calculator skills. We needed to get away from rote counting. A lot of times it's time. Oh my gosh, am I so tired of seeing goals that talk about reading an analog clock or even a digital clock. Let's move on from time, or let's see if we can make time more functional. Can knows what time mom and dad come home from work, and what time lunch is, and we make five different time things, and that way we make it more functional, so that, yeah, we understand that, like, the bus is going to come at a certain time, and we're going to need to be ready, or school starts at a certain time, and we need to be ready, that sort of thing. Maybe it is that that stupid morning routine. Like, how many years in a row have your children had to accomplish everything on their morning or afternoon routine? And it's a checklist. Okay, they are tired of doing that. Do they still need to follow a morning routine? Yes. But do they have to do it with somebody with a clipboard right next to them saying, okay, now do this. Good job. You got 80% today. No, they don't need to do that. And so... In the IEP meeting, look and see how many times you've been working on the same darn goals. And say, so, you know what, maybe it's time to move. On. Okay, so that's the third thing that I think you can do at the annual IEP is ask for a departure from the same old, whatever it is. If you aren't making a whole lot of progress, move on to something else. Do something else. And then finally, the last thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about Getting more access to the general education curriculum. So this is something that happens a lot in my law practice. I am contacted a lot by parents that want for their children to have more access to the general education curriculum. If this is you, I would highly suggest downloading my inclusion workshop that's available online um, on my website because I go through how to make these inclusion arguments. 
What I want to say here is don't forget, you can ask for more access to general education at any time. You can call a meeting to do it. You can do it at your annual meeting. You can do it at those meetings where you're looking at triennial evaluation data. You can do it any time. And really, the key to it is to look at the barriers that are in front of that access. So a lot of times it's behavior. Sometimes it is reading. Sometimes it is modifications that are needed in gen ed. What is the school saying? Why does the school say that gen ed is that that a less restrictive environment is not appropriate to the student? Make sure you get to that why and then see if you can figure out how to get around that. In the inclusion workshop, I talk about counter arguments for all of those things. And I talk about what the United States Department of Ed says about a lot of those arguments, because a lot of those can just be refuted in dear colleague and policy letters that the Department of Ed has established. Don't forget, in your annual meeting, you can say, you know what, I want to shake this up a little bit. We've gotten to least restrictive environment, and I would like to see more access to the general education curriculum. And of course, the key to, if you're going to make that argument, the key is establishing the availability of more access throughout the entire IEP, right? So making sure that the present levels support that argument, making sure that your goals support that argument, and the specially designed instruction supports that argument, and you can work your way down. But you can do that at an annual meeting. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Maybe. Is it going to be adversarial? Doesn't have to be. Is it going to be unexpected? Maybe so. All of those things are possible, but if you go in with proper preparation and with equal footing and with really good communication strategies, there's a chance that you're going to be successful and at least you're setting the foundation for continued discussion. Okay, so those are ways that I think that you can effectively prepare for your annual IEP meeting if your IEP is this spring and you would like a mini consult with me, I would love to hop on a call with you. Hop over to my social media to find out more about how to register for that. And if you have your annual and this podcast helped you, I would love for you to go over to wherever you listen to podcasts and to rate the podcast. Those things definitely help me as well. I hope you have a great week. I will see you next week. Same time, same place.